I'm sitting at the back of the castle in the shade. It's a wonderfully hot summer's day, and although quite early, I'm glad to be out of the heat. And I'm sitting here with John Gundhill, who's our castle manager, and he's been here for a number of years. I'm not exactly sure what his job description would be now. It's so wide-ranging, so I thought I could sit and discuss what he does, and perhaps he can tell me how he first came to be here. So welcome, John. I was wondering, I remember very clearly when you came for your interview. Do you remember that point in time? I do remember. And it was probably now 15 years ago. I've been here 15 years. And I drove down from Yorkshire, which is where I lived at the time, and uh, knocked on the front door, came up the drive, and had the experience that all our visitors have of that most wonderful arrival story. Parked, not knowing where I should park, knocked on the front door, was met by a member of staff and taken into your study, actually, which isn't that far from where we're currently sitting, to meet with yourself and Lord Carnarvon. And I must say I was slightly on, on edge by the fact that you as I've come to know is your normal trait, entered and left our interview several times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a little oh unusual. Goodness. But in the last 15 years, we've been in many meetings together, discussing many things with many clients of Highclere. I have become very used to the fact that that is not an aspersion on how the meeting is going but it is just you and your phone is ringing or you've misplaced your phone and it's time to go and then you will return to inquire whether the he's still here then Lord <laughs> and and then I I went back to Yorkshire and um, I uh, received a job offer in the post and and I'm sure you had many applications for, for the job I don't quite know why you chose me that's a question I've never asked because I don't think I want to know you the answer to it but in the introduction you did say you wanted to speak with me to learn about or, or, or listen to what I do at Highclere which is also slightly unnerving as you pay me to be here <laughs> so I, I would I would somewhat hope that you don't sit down each month signing off my paycheck with your husband thinking what does he actually do anyway we'll pay him for another month but um, so that's a little bit about how I came to be here and, and that's... Well, of um, course, you had a racing background and as working in, on race courses, you meet everybody from all walks of life. And I think my husband has spotted that, John, because from the owners to the trainers to the jockeys to the public. So, and in a sense, those people coming to Highclere, it's again all walks of wonderful life coming here for different reasons, but above all to have a wonderful day out and a great experience. And that's in a sense the same sort of thing that you're offering at a race course, isn't it? Absolutely true. That there are enormous parallels between what I did and I. I was actually the youngest clerk of the course in the country when I first got my licence, age 25. I'd worked in horse racing in Australia, came back to a job in the northeast, working for a company that managed several race courses on behalf of their owners. Well, horse racing, like the castle business, is about people and events. And in horse racing, it was obviously race days and the people as you say there is there is the full spectrum of society a cacophony of people that come and you've got to be able to manage and get on with them all 
and the same at Highclere. It's events, not horse racing, but 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 a, a very wide range of events that Highclere has played host to over the years I've been here, and an enormous number of diverse characters and people that I need to be able to get on with, communicate with, from from your family, guests, and friends to the person that pays five or six pounds to come into the grounds alone. And I seven think pounds. I really don't know what I'm doing in this job, um, but but it's 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 dealing with a spectrum of people and staff as well, uh, and that was the same on a race course. So I'm thrilled looking back on it that those 15 and a half years ago, or whatever it was, when I came for the interview, I um, was true to myself, and. I'm well, still remember, here working for you. Well, you were very so impressed because you'd done something. Well, right. you'd done a lot of research when you came to the interview, and I'm still incredibly happy that you actually joined us, John, because it is an extraordinary place, and a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, and a lot of laughter. And I do remember, shortly after you started, we'd had quite a large concert, which was for charity, and then after that, we sort of tumbled, if you like, somersaulted into a game fair. And the weather was unspeakably awful, incredibly wet. It was definitely the honeymoon period still. The concert you referenced, I um, found myself in meetings throughout the concert discussing how things were going with the police and the car parkers and the security staff who were all referring to certain entrances on the estate. And I hadn't been in the job a week, and I just nodded, not having a clue what they were talking about. And and that was very much, I mean, in at well, the Well, I was end, trying to walk alongside you, because that's something we had set up. So before those who are listening think that uh, it's completely random, but um, it, was, it was a baptism of fire, I think. It, it was. And at the game fair, which you mentioned, Lord Carnarvon, we, we had an issue with the car parking. It was a terribly wet spring that year. It, it became apparent that the game fair needed to make some changes to various gates during the event. So Lord Carnarvon asked me to jump into the car with him. Uh, let's go up to the gate and manage the gate. Whereupon we decided the traffic was backing up to such an extent we had to close the gate. And he dropped me off and said, walk up that road there and tell all those people to go back onto the A34 until we can um, sort the gates out, which I duly did. He was my paymaster. And I walked for a mile to the the nearest pub telling everyone that, um, uh, unfortunately, we had a few issues. Unbeknown to me, uh, they'd sorted out the car. their language was fairly fruity. Well, a lot of people said, I've come from the Midlands for this. I said, listen, I came from Yorkshire for this job. So at this stage, (laughs) I'm in the same boat as you. And don't go too far away because I might need a lift back. But I got to the local pub uh, and then I decided I would turn around and walk back. Whereupon they'd open the gates and everyone I'd passed two minutes earlier telling them that the event was closed, then took the opportunity to point out my folly because the event was open and I knew nothing about it. Lord Carnarvon had driven off and I then had to walk all the way back into the estate to carry on. I chose not to make myself too visible during the rest of the day for fear of bumping into all these people. But it was a baptism of fire. I'm still here. You've still got me here. And and it was an interesting insight into some of the challenges that we faced at Highclere together, yourself, Lord Carnarvon and I, in the 15 years I've been here. That was a really, really challenging game for her and I think it was not long after Geordie and I had taken over the castle as well, so 
my experience was limited, but through all the years, John, we've ended up working with so many different events and people and faced so many seasonal challenges, if you like. So you, uh, experience is an extraordinary thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing to have acquired. I don't mind getting older for all of that because it does make it easier and you can plan, can't you? Because so much of the challenges here are usually about parking and the weather from snow to sun. Yes, and I think what has been an advantage for myself in the, in the journey I've had here that as, as you've just mentioned yourself and Lord Carnarvon hadn't that long before I started uh, taken up the the reins at Highclere so with respect to Lord Carnarvon who grew up here I'm sure it was a very different focus for him once he was on the bridge so to speak but we've learnt almost together with what we can achieve and what possibly doesn't fit with Highclere and there have been immeasurable improvements made over the time that we've all been here together. And I think other than the challenges that we're currently in, I hope that were I to leave tomorrow, I've contributed something in my, in my time at Highclere. And, That's why and I say yes, is it? It would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> the fishing isn't helping me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, I hope I've played my part in a team that the three of us have built. And because I think, other than Les, the, the sort of castle day-to-day management staff, uh, I can't think of anyone that hasn't followed from the three of us employing them in our time here. So in that time, your time of tenureship here, you have been able to put your own stamp on what you wanted to achieve here, where you wanted the castle to go, and the people you've put in place to facilitate that. Yes, well, I think, as you've referenced, Les, and I've also chatted to Pat Withers and a few others, I wanted to make sure when when Grandpa died, my father-in-law died, that we all walked together, that nobody who had been here for a while was left was asked to go, we could all walk together forwards and then begin to find our way into what Highclere was. That's the question I've always been asking myself. What is a stately home in today's world? How can it survive? How can it bring people in? How can it make people love it? So it's that love and emotion. And and obviously Downton's been a huge part of that. And of course you were at the very first meeting when they came to possibly consider Highclere for a location for Downton Abbey and little did we know what it would become John do you remember that meeting? I do and I and I've got I still have I think it's referred to as as a treatment and I still have the first treatment that they put in front of us I think there were probably no more than four or five of us in the room when, did I when leave we, as well uh, several times <laughs> <laughs> rolling your eyes well, this will never be able to make this work. And I think collectively we had sleepless nights, but for the right reasons in how could we achieve this. This was something that, that I don't think Highclere had done before. I certainly hadn't done before. I they, think not on a long-term basis. No, that was the thing. We Worcester and film people had come and go, but this time we needed to ensure that we all had a good relationship going forwards, as it would turn out for, for six years. But if so. you remember, we didn't know it was for six years no. at the outset, and if my memory serves me correctly, we initially were discussing 
40 days in the year. And then a Christmas special came along, and then the conversations went from 40 days to, I think, 70 days a year. That is a tremendous commitment for two parties to put together to fit in, to shoehorn into an existing business framework that yourself and your husband had worked very hard to build up and I had had a bit part in. You could say yes now. You were and, a significant <laughs> part of building it and, up. <laughs> and I think history would suggest, I hope, that we made it work because there were several series, seven, six. I hope. Six. And a film, dot, dot, dot possibly to be continued. I think there was a hugely receptive public out there that really took to the storylines and amazingly, and this is the bit that I didn't get at all in those initial conversations, took to the building, the warmth of the building, the photogenic nature of the building, and when I say I didn't get it... I, I, what well, you the... didn't foresee it, because I think we're with it every day, John. It's very hard to understand, the, because, because for some reason the, the warmth comes out of the building in a completely unique way. And people come down the drive and they're nearly in tears. And I post something on Instagram and I can feel the emotion which is coming back from the happiness. That, 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 it's extraordinary. That, yes, but the, but the reason I said I, I didn't get it, and I, sh I should have had an inkling because it was that same appeal that several years before resonated with me when I drove up the drive for an interview here. What I didn't say when you asked me that, I lived in Yorkshire 220 miles away. I, I moved my wife two children at the time, both very small. So I changed my lifestyle to come to Highclere for a new job, which a lot of people do in this day and age because the world has got smaller. Well, I wasn't was sure still... whether you wanted me to ask you personal questions, John, so I'm well, very grateful that you, <laughs> that you picked up But I chose to do south, that, yes. and, and maybe what I felt the warmth of the building and, and, and the appeal of it is the, what the, the viewers who felt. The who you meant to add there. Yes, well, quite so. <laughs> But anyway, a, a lot yeah. of people, uh, not just in this country, and not just of a certain age group, there was a huge span, it, it was grannies and grandpas to the grandchildren, were watching on a Sunday night, they were punctuating yes. their week, and for that, Highclere has been very, very fortunate, and for that, we were lucky that the people that came to that initial meeting saw what they were looking for, that's what you never know in a film recce, a television recce, what is in the mind's eye of the, the producer and the director. And it worked, and they came back, as you said, for several years, which we didn't know in that meeting. And um, Provided I'd, you with breakfast. They did provide me with breakfast every day. <laughs> Whenever I was going biking with the dogs, they would get stuck at the catering truck, and I would arrive with several dogs and leave with several fewer as I went on my bike no, ride. It, and, it, 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 is, it, was, it was quite an experience. It was. And, and I don't think many people have been through it for, for the number of days that it, that it entailed. But we, we made it work. And there are a few people on our side that stayed the same throughout and on the production side. And that helped because they got to understand what the house could and couldn't do. And we got to understand what they were aspiring to do. And somewhere in the middle, the marriage took place and... It, it, it's been the success it has. It has, and it's, it's interesting because when visitors come today, they've come both to see Highclere and Downton Abbey, and 
to start with, some of our guides were concerned because they were very proud of Highclere and the coaches said Downton Abbey on them. But I think it's a, a marvellous muddle which has benefited both sides because it gives an actual sense of place to Downton Abbey. And for us, it gives us this extraordinary marketing platform which we've then used both to help Highclere and also I, I'm really proud of all the different charity things which we've launched into. When I first came, the, there was definitely regional dialects on the drive to, to, to the front door and now it's global languages. Less so in our current environment but we're all working hard to get that back and it will come back. That is part of the appeal and they're not just coming because of Downton but the Egyptology heritage, the aviation enthusiasts and the role that that's played in the history of the estate. The cocktail enthusiasts, the gin the, enthusiasts. Those, yeah, <laughs> they, those that are consuming much gin, their dialect changes from the way in to the way out. But we, we have to work within a, a framework, which is why from time to time I might try and temper your enthusiasm as to numbers or aspirations. But it's through those aspirations and ideas that, that people keep coming and, and long may that continue because the building in front of which we're sitting will outlive all of us and there have been many custodians and staff that have gone through it before and, and it's testament to them that it's still standing and if we can do our bit and I can do my little bit then I think it, it can be our epitaph that they played their part. I completely agree and, I, and I'm very grateful. I think we all are playing our part. John, we've talked quite a lot about the events and the people who we work with, but one of the other major challenges, the other person we work with, the castle, and when, when it's raining or for every so often, there is a major, usually, water challenge, isn't there? Dra the, yes, Drama. Dra dramas. Drama. There, there, is, there is always a challenge round the very next corner. And that was no different to my, my previous life in, in, in the management of the race course because they were large buildings, some of them uh, very modern, some of them not so modern. And, and the castle is the same in that it, it, it's electricity. Victorian or medieval. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's electricity, it's water systems, it's sewage, the gutters on the roof, the multifaceted roof, the water tanks, the whole gambit of utilities that come into a building of this nature provide challenges and things go wrong. And they, and they always go wrong, it would appear, on a Friday evening of a bank holiday. So... One needs to think outside the box. That there's, there's the. I mean, there was one very funny day when, I think we had a leak which came down from the third floor, and I think somebody was showing a wet, potential wedding couple round the library, and suddenly there was a row of people with huge black dustbins which were going to be put under all weather leak might come through. Well, I, I think. Uh, I mean, oh the weather and the frost causes issues as well. Yes. And that might have been something to do with a frozen downpipe. Uh, and then the temperature lifted before the downpipe thawed. And consequently, all the frost and snow on the roof took the easiest route, which was through the building. I don't think you can let those things phase you. They, they are very definitely unwelcome, but you need to get on with them. And they come from left of field by their very nature. You can be open to the public the next day. We had an issue where we couldn't get water, if you remember, at all to the castle from several miles away. And we were about to open to the public. Yes, that was interesting. Am I a calm person? Certainly not. I try and manage my emotions, but one needs a cool head 
and an ability to think outside the box to try and get mm. round the problems that one is inevitably faced with with a building of this ilk. It wasn't built yesterday, even if it was, there'd be problems. You can't always find the plans. You can't always find the stopcock that you need to. And even when you do, it doesn't always work. So you've got to think outside the box and, and draw upon the... the um, expertise of the plumbers and the electricians that we have built up relationships with but I did turn up one Christmas Eve in a boiler suit to go out onto a roof because there'd been a a slight drama with something breaking some slates and I do remember I couldn't get through the roof so the housekeeper pushed me to... (laughs) to ensure that I had the momentum to get out of the window to where I needed to be. Not entirely the way forward in in this day and age, but needs must. But actually, because I've also often climbed up to understand the problem, because if you understand the problem and analyse it, you can then take steps to mitigate it in the future, apart from solving it now. I think we have much improved. All the ladders made them much safer. I'm so glad that we've done that and I've noticed that part of it because at least some of our routes to solve the problems are much stronger and much better reinforced now with handrails and things like that which when we Uh, started they surely were not. And and that comes with the current incarnation that the castle is wearing and we have to make it safe for people to work in. Not to suggest it was unsafe but the world of health and safety had changed. That yeah. The castle hadn't changed. And, you know, in its very early days and on the top floor, there are still the fire chutes that one used to presumably hurl out of the window, much like uh, an aeroplane escape route, jump on, cross your arms, cross your legs and hope they, you got down. But, John, they worked. And actually, I knew Patricia Leatham, the um, fifth L's daughter, Lady Evelyn Herbert's daughter, had actually been down them. She used to have pr- fire practices from the top floor and she said the trick was to wear a thick jumper and hold your arms in and then you avoid the friction burn yes and and in this day and age for the the listeners that visitors as public we obviously don't throw you out of windows (laughs) and and we we have uh, well rehearsed and practiced fire drills and a fully integrated fire management system which these buildings have to have because these buildings are a part of our heritage it's your responsibility with Lord Carnarvon to steer this building through to the next generation and the staff all do their bit to help in that and the building itself as you say aside from from the business aspect comes with its own challenges but that's why I'm sure we're all running the business we are to put back in and ensure that the infrastructure of the building remains as strong and hardy as it can do to 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 go on and on yes no i I completely agree and i think we've put ever more fire alarms and smoke alarms absolutely everywhere now john and i'm so glad we have and i've reinforced lots of more normal fire escapes rather than the throwing up people out the window ones to make sure that we are safe if you plan and prepare hopefully it doesn't actually happen to start with but if it does it's a much more straightforward yeah, and everybody say. is versed in it you know the fire brigade of course it happened up. in downtown Abbey, it, too, it's it? just what i was about to say the fire the fire alarm went off during genuine filming of the series and as you would know lady Carnarvon, there could be with extras up to 200 people it was a big day that it, day it, actually it, it, it was big in that i got the most fearful telling off from the fire brigade in that we'd evacuated the building because the fire alarm had gone off genuinely 
we had then, in accordance with our protocols, discovered what had set it off. And it was actually somebody laying a new carpet. It created some dust. Was that in the kitchen or something? It, it, was, it? it was in the building behind us. It was above the tea room. The fire alarm had done its job and, and alerted us to the dust in the, in the sensors. I then, knowing the pressures of filming, took it upon myself to clear the system down and let film crew back in. And the chief fire officer, when he arrived, I met him in my day glow jacket and said, yes, we know exactly what it is, sir. I think I'll take that decision, right, fine. And I marched him into the fire panel and he said, there seem to be, there seem to be some people in the building. I said, yes, we're, we're filming Downton Abbey. Well, get them out. I said, they've been out once. <laughs> They're very odd people, and I don't think I should be asking them to get get them out. So um, I chose not to ask Maggie Smith to leave again and went straight to the assistant directors. And thereupon we learnt, learnt another lesson, that even if you have found what the problem is, the fire brigade need to turn up to an empty building because it's one less challenge. They took an early lunch. I got the most fearful telling off from the fire brigade, and we lived through it and, and learnt and um, I won't ever let people back in the building now even when I know it is 100% safe. Well before Downton Abbey I think well before my time as well there was the Secret Garden and then Jeeves and Worcester and I think Robin Hood Prince of Thieves I've just caught the end of John and we did have some very good um, of music videos which were made here um, in the time before Downton Abbey. One of those I remember was, was John Legend. Yeah, uh, yes, I mean, we, we, we played Bollywood as well, was one oh, of Bollywood. our first ones, yours and mine, but I took off to Yorkshire and left you with the problems as I was moving house. The, the music, I, I, I hadn't had any exposure to music videos before, and it was over a, a weekend. I think they took one day um, a, a little-known musician so I thought at the time by the name of John Legend who has the most amazing voice and um, myself and uh, our then head housekeeper Diana um, were on duty at, at, at the particular time and the producer and director was a was a lovely fellow wouldn't wouldn't walk anywhere needed a golf buggy to go across the lawn and being being an upstanding relatively new person here I kept trying to shake hands with him uh, which is clearly not the thing one does in the music industry because he kept just slapping my hand which I learnt was his way of affectionately greeting me but Diana and I were scurrying around in the background of this music video. Because mostly and it was shot in the saloon or by jackdaws. It wasn't brilliant weather, but they did, I think, they used the library for they, a bit They of a did set, use the they? library for, for a, a particular set, and John Legend came around the corner singing to the, to the recorded music, uh, and I heard action being called. And I wasn't 100% sure that I was where I should be with Diana. So I said to, I whispered to Diana, crouch down. And she looked at me. And as you will know, Lady Carnarvon, there's, there's a table in the library which we refer to as the nose table because it's a sculpted face on it. And Diana and I were hiding under the table, or so I thought, in that we'd both put our heads under the table. And I heard this producer shout, <laughs> cut! <laughs> And Diana looked at me, and I gestured with my finger to my lips, Shh, keep quiet, we'll be fine. And he, he then proclaimed, I can see asses! 
And I said, Dino, it won't be us. We're fine. And then he appeared over the back of the table and said, those asses belong to you. And so we rather sheepishly, like schoolchildren, were removed from the back of John Legend's video. It didn't make the final cut, safe to say. But one thing I would say, there was another musician there on that day, and John Legend was very much his protégé, and that musician was a gentleman by the name of Kanye West. So we do appeal and have all sorts of people pass through Highclere, and I've been very, very lucky to meet the vast majority of them over the last 15 years and it's been a nothing short of a pleasure working here and I hope that that Lady Carnarvon has given you an insight into what I do, (laughs) why you pay me and I trust that for a year or two more you might continue to pay me before before, before you think it's time that you want to take uh, High Clear in, an, in a different direction no, and I'm honestly, not a part of it. It's a joy. I mean, the other thing I do actually sometimes um, is I, is as you're locking up, just in case you haven't seen a ghost, I try to hide behind a door in a corridor to jump out and see Boo and see if I can make you You have shriek. caught me on a number of occasions and when I'm in my own world and I know that the castle has gone quiet and I take an hour to try and... Uh, tidy my desk, uh, tidy my thoughts, and and one gets an awful lot more work done when the phones stop ringing and 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 s- uh, the staff have have, have gone. Um, you have on several occasions caused me to to levitate quite seriously, uh, and and then perhaps speak to my employer with far too many expletives before I take control of my senses, <laughs> realise it's you. I'm just usually crying with laughter because I and think then, it's um, so funny. And then that draws yeah. a shroud over that day and another one begins. We work hard at Highclere. We work long hours. We are in the public-facing hospitality environment and for that there is always the serene vista on top of the water that we're gliding along but to enable that impression there's an awful lot of paddling under the water by by an awful lot of people light relief is something that we must do i do worry from time to time when i get in the car and go home in an evening and think i might have been a little bit foolish a little too many times today but there's always a chance to recoup it tomorrow (laughs) But John, thank you so much for joining me today. And I, I've just made a new little wooden turntable for the kitchen table, and it's got round it all the world's stage. And I think with that little line, we might finish this podcast. But thank you so much for joining me this morning, Lady Carnarvon. It's been a pleasure. Now, can you sign all my paperwork? <laughs> If any of you have got any questions from this podcast or wonder further about whatever we've talked about, please do email in. We've set up an email address called podcast at highclearcastle.co.uk or if you also go on to my blog, which is www.ladycarnarvon.com, you can see that every Monday I post a blog and I also try to answer the comments and some of the comments sometimes refer to other questions as well, which I'm delighted to answer. So do share your thoughts with us and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.